Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Networking is a really important part of being a real estate investor. Your Rolodex will determine your net worth. The five closest people you hang out with are going to determine how successful that you are going to be in your business. So what is networking? Why is it so important? Number one, networks. Networks are groups of people who talk, share ideas, information, and resources. That sounds like us, right? We do that. We share information, we share resources, we talk and share ideas. Networking, on the other hand, is discovering connections between people. And people is the key. It's not networks between computers. It's networks between people. So if you're hanging out on Facebook and LinkedIn and all those other websites, you are losing the real benefit. People will come to me and say, hey, can you stream videos, stream or record those real estate club meetings so I could watch it at home? And we thought about it for a while and we said, no, because you lose 80% of the benefit. Only 20% is the speaker. 80% of it is the benefit of coming to the meeting and people that you meet and people that meet you, in fact. So what is not networking? It's not manipulating people to do what you want. It's not keeping score. Well, you owe me because I gave you. You ever meet someone like that? They always keep scoring everything. Well, I gave you three people. How many people have you referred me this week? How many deals have you referred me? God, I referred you three deals. It's not obligating people to do things for you. And it's not putting pressure on other people to do things for you. And it's certainly not being an annoying P-I-T-A. Need I spell that one out? I do. Pain in the ass? Okay, P-I-T. You got it now. So you ever get someone like that who just keeps calling and calling and calling? You're going, insurance or Amway? It's one of the two. I know I'm getting sold Amway or insurance. I know it. Don't be like that to other people. You know, take the hint or try another way to network with this person or people or organization. So why network? Well, it's for two reasons mainly. It's for the people that you get to know that you can use as a resource, and it's people that will refer you business as well. Those are the two re main reasons. And another way to think about it really is, if you need help or need information, and you can go to your Rolodex instead of having to figure out on your own, is that a value? Absolutely. You can make another contact by meeting someone who will introduce you to someone else. You can build an, info, an informal advisory board, sort of like a mastermind. If anyone's ever read the book Think and Grow Rich, has anyone ever read that book? Great book. It talks about the mastermind principle. So at the very least, just people in your network, maybe it's not someone who gets you business or gives you business or you help out or they help you, but just a way to pick other people's brains and have other people listen as a sounding board to your ideas. Does that make sense? And to build more business and really close more sales. That's the bottom line of networking. Especially as a real estate investor, you're going to want to find people who can bring you business and vice versa. And frankly, that's the main reason why we started the real estate organization. I've built a lot of networks, a lot of people I know and a lot of people know me, and that's 99% of my business. It's not marketing postcards, it's not knocking on doors, it's not calling people. It's people who bring me business, people who know me or know someone who knows me and I got referred to me. That's the reason why I got a lot of business and deals. So you have to build that up for you. If, especially in the, if you're working the business in the beginning where you don't have a lot of money to bring customers to you. You're going to have to really heavily rely on business networking. So why network? Well, more new business is generated by network than any other marketing activity. 70% on average of new business is gained through referrals, or relationship marketing. And I think in this information age, people forget that. The people skills are what makes you money in every business, this one included. Before there was internet, before there was email, we did this business and we did it the old-fashioned way. We opened up the newspaper and called people and made meetings and sat down with people in, at one of our branch offices before Starbucks. There was Denny's. <laughs> Some of you were laughing. You remember those branch offices. Uh, I used to meet people all the time before there was Starbucks and email and, and go-do meeting and all these other things because it, it's a lost art. It really is. The, the, the uh, skill of business relationships and building social networks that are not social media but real social networks. That's what we're trying to build here.
What is power networking then? Because that's the topic of tonight's discussion, as opposed to regular networking. Well, networking is about who you know. Power networking is about who knows you, which is more important, knowing a lot of people or having them know you, which is going to give you business. Right. So now, if you know a lot of people, you can call someone and say, hey, what's the answer to X, or can you refer me to someone who does Y? But if people know you, when someone needs something done related to your business, they're going to be referred to you, and that's the bottom line. That's the difference between networking and power networking. Well, regular networking is about making contacts. That's what a lot of people do. They get business cards, and they stack them up neatly, or they scan them in, or they put them in there. Some people still have those spin Rolodexes, you know, where you pop the cards in. Anybody still have one of those? No, one person has one. <laughs> but power networking is about nurturing contacts. It's what you do with those business cards and those names that really matters. It's not about collecting names and putting them on a list. That's called marketing. When you nurture people, that's about power networking. And that's the difference between regular and power networking. So, the bottom line, we're going to uh, outline it, and then we'll go through each topic one by one. The power networking strategies include, number one, set goals to add your contacts. And not just adding contacts, but adding contacts that make sense. Number two, create a brand. You've got to be very unique in this business. You've got to have a very specific way about you and your business that people remember. Number three, network events. And notice how I underline work. This is work. Oh, damn it. I thought this was going to be easy. No, this is work. Networking is working the networks. Working it, going to meetings, meeting with people, going to events, going to seminars, going to meetings, going to gatherings, and working it constantly. Following up immediately. That's what a lot of people really lose it at that point. They, they do number one, they, or maybe they don't even do the goals part, but they... they, they Certainly, mostly don't create a brand because most people are unmemorable. You know that, right? And networking, maybe they do a little bit of that, but they don't do anything after that. They collect a bunch of business cards and wait for something to happen so they can call that person and say, you want to do business with me? And they go, who the hell are you? Following up immediately so they remember who you are, so you nurture that contact. Stay in contact. And we have an acronym called CARES, and if I forget, remind me later, we'll get to that. C-A-R-E-S. And then, improving your communication skills. Now, because some people go, ah, you know, this just, I can't do this. This is a skill. It's not, a, it's not something you're born with. It's something you learn to do. Just like everything else. You learn to walk. You learn to speak. You learn to communicate. You learn to network. You learn the skill of it. Now, if you're Jewish like me, and you're born with the schmoozing, then it's, you know, it comes a little more natural. I admit that. You've got to learn a little bit from, you know, from my tribe so to speak, you know, the schmoozing art. But it is something everybody can learn. Some people are naturally, oh, well, that person, he's outgoing. He's an extrovert. Everybody likes him. He lights up a room. Still, that's something that person learned over the years, maybe by accident. Maybe in his upbringing was forced in a situation to become that person. Didn't learn it formally, but became that. But you can learn the same way, in a formal, educational, intentional way. Networking goals, let's talk about that first. What is your goal and what is your purpose here of networking? It might be something like, well, I need to get more sellers. I need to get more buyers. I need to get more partners. I need to get more lenders. I need to get more money. I need to get more tenants. What is your goal in building your network? And you should write that out very clearly as part of your regular business goals. One of the goals should be, as a business networking goal, that should be a very specific item in your business plan as a real estate investor. What relationships do I have that I can work with, and what relationships do I need? Assess where you are and where you need to go. What value can I bring? And that's the most important thing you have to understand. We're going to go over that over and over again. It's not, what can you do for me? It's, what can you do for other people that will in turn end up being reciprocal for you. So think about what skills that you have. Because, you know, the person who's a little shy and, you know, comes to a meeting like this and sits in the corner and is afraid to talk to people, I, I, I know, I mean, hard to believe I was that kid. 
how much time per week to devote? So it should be very systematic, very specific. How much time should I devote to this you know, as part of my business plan? Instead of driving around looking at houses and, and not saying you shouldn't do that and making calls, and you should do that too, but there should be a certain time in your business every week that you spend building your business networks and your relationships. Be patient, because it does take time. It's planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds, but there are results, and you should be able to find a way in your business to measure that. Find a way to measure that, because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So have some way of being able to measure some sort of results, and they don't have to be the end results of, I got business. It could be intermediate results, like, well, I made X calls, I got X amount of new contacts, I made X amount of lunch meetings, and I advanced or contacted X amount of people this week to nurture and follow up. Those are intermediate goals that are easier to measure. Branding is very important. Every company has a brand, some stronger than others. Doesn't mean you have to have this, you know, this like Apple brand you know, with, with, that everybody recognizes, but at least everyone within your business or who you contact should recognize the brand. And I don't know what that may be. So for example, who was it? Where's Peggy? Peggy was up. Yep, so Peggy got up before. Now, nothing to Peggy. Peggy's a very nice lady, but how many people, turn away, because you already looked at her. How many people remembered her deal, what her deal was? Only about a third of the room. Now, nothing you did wrong, but if she had a big apple on her head, when she did that, how many people would remember that, the apple on her head? Yeah, a lot of people would, now, I'm not saying do that, I'm just saying when you come to a crowd or you come, there should be some sort of brand, whether it's on your business card or in your spiel or in your what they call elevator pitch, something that people recognize and remember. Okay, so just a tip to everybody who goes up in front of the room and has flyers, and I've met, I'm not picking on you, Peggy, by the way. I say this to everybody because nobody does this. You should have something either on your flyer or on your person or something you say that people, everybody at the end goes, ah, that deal lady, she was the apple lady or the one with the red hat, or the one with the pink tie, or the one who said something really outrageous, or the, the, the one with the flyer that had the picture of the kitty cat. You know, something that people remember. You know, some sort of brand identity that people remember. And that goes along, and that could be, by the way, and it goes along with your elevator speech. Your elevator speech. How many people know what an elevator speech is? Right? What you can say about your business in 20 seconds or less. There's basically four parts to an elevator speech. Number one, what is the general target you serve? So if you meet someone who's not in real estate, because if I'm in real estate and you're in real estate, I could say, well, I wholesale houses. The average person wouldn't know what the heck that means. Does that make sense? So it should be something that explains what target you serve, what, what, what customer, what niche, what, what you serve should be in your 20-second elevator speech. Everybody, regardless of what business you're in, will know what business you're in. What needs do you address? Or whose needs do you address? What niche do you satisfy? What customer do you address? What problem do you solve? Should be in your 20-second elevator speech. Number three, reference your company. Now, notice how that's number three. What company, the name of your company, is not necessarily your brand. What you do is more of what your brand is. Who you serve is your brand. So when I say have a brand, that doesn't necessarily mean you need a complicated logo and name that everyone can remember, and that doesn't hurt, by the way, but it's more in your elevator pitch, your unique proposition, and that's your value proposition or unique selling proposition. What makes you different than everybody else? What in your brand makes you unique from every other knucklehead who goes out and buys real estate in foreclosures. Because when you say, I go buy properties from people in distress, foreclosures, they go, oh yeah, you're one of those foreclosure vultures. So how do you overcome that general perception of that? Does that make sense? I was having lunch with a friend of mine the other day. He's a, basically a wealth manager. And a wealth manager is someone who manages a rich person's needs, all their wealth needs, without taking a commission. They just charge an annual fee and then they take, figure out their insurance needs and their stock portfolio and their real estate and their, you know, all their needs. Okay? That's pretty long-winded. And, and, and I said to him, you know, he had this big, long thing. And I go, gosh, all I see was, what insurance are you going to sell me? He goes, I don't even sell insurance. I go, that's the problem. Because as soon as you say, I'm a wealth manager, blah, 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 my brain went, you sell insurance. How many people think that? When you hear wealth manager, you're selling insurance. When people talk about wealth 
distribution or wealth management or wealth, you know, wealth portfolio, you order thing. You're going to sell me securities or you're going to sell me insurance? I said, that's what everybody thinks. So you need to come up with a 20-second elevator speech that changes the perception that they get when you tell them what you do. Does that make sense? So I said, what do you do? What's the bottom line? What's your unique thing? He goes, I create lives that people want to live. I go, then tell them that. When someone, I said, what do you do? I create lives for people who want to live their ideal life. Now, do you think insurance when I say that? No, you're curious because you say, well, sure, I'd love to live my ideal life. Yeah. Now, network, who are we going to network with? There's two kinds of people that we're looking to network with, to put in our Rolodex and nurture. And those are referral partners and connectors. Now, a referral partner sounds like what it means. It means like what it sounds. It's someone who could refer you business. Not everybody fits in that mold. More often than not, people blow off others and say, well, they can't refer me business, so I'm not going to talk to them. They're not even in my business. They don't even know my business. Why would I want to network with that person? Because a connector is someone who can connect you with someone, or lots of people, preferably, who are referral partners. You want both. If you're at a business meeting, you may talk to someone who's not in your business, but if they're a connector, if they can connect you with someone who is in your business or can bring you business, then that's a valuable person, especially you want to nurture that person because they know a lot of people. They're a connector. They know this person, that person. They can't bring you business directly, but they know a lot of people. A lot of people come to me because I'm a connector. I know a lot of people. Even though I'm not directly in their business, people come to me because I'm a connector. And I'm also a referral partner to a lot of people as well. You want to network with, more specifically, what types of people? Competitors or non-competitive competitors. So people who are your competitor, even if they compete with you. So meet with my enemies? That's right. What does the art of war say? Keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Right? You can learn a lot from what competitors do. And a lot of times competitors, I was having uh, dinner earlier with uh, one of our hard money lenders here. We have several hard money lenders on our, in our panel here, in our network, and they all do business together. They all talk to each other. They all have lunch. They all refer business to each other. They get more business from the other competitors than they do from anyone else. Why do you think Burger King is next to McDonald's, next to Kentucky Fried Chicken, next to whatever? Right. It's choice, but more people come in. So don't be afraid to talk to your competitors or your non-competitive competitors. That means people who are not really, they might be a real estate investor too, but they're not in the exact same type of line that you are. Or they buy on a different side of town than you do. Or they do a different type of transaction that you do. People who are like-minded and people who are not like-minded. Don't just limit yourself as a real estate investor to other real estate investors to refer your business or real estate brokers or you know, people in the direct business we do. Other businesses can bring you business. Now, what business are we in as real estate investors? What business are we in? Making money. Making sales. What else do we do? When we specifically, when we buy houses, what do we do? We what? We go on vacation. Now, we sell houses, we go on vacation. We buy houses, and when we buy from sellers, what are we doing? We're solving a problem. Now, even we're helping other people, we're solving problems. Now, banks, as inhuman as they are, we are solving some of their problem, right? So, with that in mind, who else in a non-similar business, a non-like-minded business, might come across people with house problems? And I'm not asking for an answer, I'm just saying think about that one. Think about that, that one. Who, who's in, the, in a business that might come across someone with a house problem? A divorce attorney. Divorce attorneys usually, you know, usually what happens most of the time, and I'm not being stereotypical, I'm just saying this is the odds. One spouse, usually in that case going to be the husband with a big salary, stay-at-home mom, decides to get a divorce because the guy's cheating on her, whatever. She goes to an attorney and doesn't have a big retainer money because the husband's the one controlling all the money. The attorney will usually work with that client because they know in the end they're going to get paid out of the assets of the working spouse. Does that make sense? 
Now, what is the big asset that most people sell when they're getting divorced? The house. And who's going to get paid out of all that? The attorney. So would he be likely to want to tip them off to someone who can buy their house in a hurry for who cares how much as long as they get paid? How ethical is that, right? Think about that. Who, who is not like-minded that might be able to refer your business? Professional associations like this one but all kinds of professional associations. The Women's Empowerment Lunch Group of Southeast Denver. I'm just making that up. I don't know if it exists. But there are groups like that. The Rotary Group, the Club, the uh, um, Toastmasters, all kinds of groups that exist that you can belong to. And if you, maybe even better, uh, you think, well, there's no real estate investors there. Better, I'm the only one. And there's 100 other people who, when they come across a house problem, they're going to refer it all to me. Think about that one. Business contacts, just people on your regular business contact list. Like if you have an insurance guy, say, hey, by the way, you know, do you ever come across people who, you know, don't want to renew their insurance because they're selling a house or they just had a claim because their house burnt down and they, or their house was burnt out and they just want to sell it as is and collect the insurance money or a, 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 a ticked off landlord because it was trashed? You ever come across someone like that? If so, hey, let me know. I'll give you a referral fee. Can you give a referral fee? Absolutely. Social contacts. Just people you know generally. Everybody should know. In the beginning, I was kind of quiet with real estate. I didn't want people to know what I was doing. I was kind of like, you know, I had a little secret, and I was just doing it. And I realized that, you know what, there's a whole lot of people out there who should know what I do. Everybody who knows you within your business or social uh, experience should know what business you're in and, and therefore be able to refer you business. They, when they think house problem, they should think of your face or your brand or your identity that you've created. Networking events. So let's talk specifically about going to networking events. Like seminars and real estate clubs and associations and business meetings and social gatherings and so forth, whatever you go to. First, don't arrive late. The best, the best um, contacts you'll make are in the first half hour. And then after that, everyone's drunk and full and busy and talking to other people and whatever. In the beginning, everyone's kind of sitting around wondering, oh, when's everyone going to show up? They're bored. Talk to them. That's the best time you're going to catch people, right in the beginning of the meeting. So especially meetings like this that you all came late to, show up a little earlier. Convention, so forth. Dress appropriately. Better is better. I mean, dressing, always err on the side of being better. Like they say in golf, you should always be dressed one step nicer than the starter. Whatever he's wearing, I'm dressed better. Be, take that advice. Always dress a little nice, especially if you're young, by the way. Those of you, there's only a few of you here, but under 30, you, people might look at you as like, eh, you're too young to be in this business. Or, you know, yeah, I don't know if I could do business so young. You know, if you wear a suit, you look a lot more credible when you're younger. When you're like 70 and older, you can get away with wearing whatever you want. You've earned it. You know, people just figure you're smart because you've been around a while. You know, they always say, trust the guy with the gray beard in the room. Oh, there's one. Eat in advance. The worst thing you can do is be sitting there stuffing your face, spilling it all over your tie, talking with your mouth open, spitting in people's eyes. Just eat before you go. But on the other hand, hang out by the food because that's where everybody hangs out. You know the door where they bring the food out? Hang out by the food and hang out by the bar. That's where other people tend to congregate, especially when they're drunk and they start talking. And make sure when we talk about that later, following up, that you remind them because if they were drunk, they're not really going to remember you too well. So... We'll get to that in a little bit. Take charge. If there is a host, toast the host. So if you're at a small gathering, you know, say here's a toast to so-and-so and thank him for putting on the meeting because he's going to want to refer people to you because he likes that because you're stroking them. But also people will know who you are because you stood up and said to everyone, oh, you were the guy who gave the toast. It's like the best man at the wedding, right? Everybody knows who that person is. Whereas the maid of honor... Don't really remember that person too well. But I remember the guy who gave the inappropriate best man speech. I remember that. <laughs> or be the host, by the way. So if there is no host, it's just an informal gathering of people, take charge. Be the person who says, hey, let me, let me uh, have some suggestions here. Let's get this meeting started. Just volunteer and take charge and be in charge of it. People will follow the leader. Don't intend to sell anything. So don't go trying to sell people on your product or your service or whatever you do at the meeting. I lend hard money, you know, and uh, I do it at 14% and I do it at 4 points. I can lend you money on a house. Don't, don't, don't push it on people like that at a meeting. 
be, just make the contact. That's the whole thing. Hang out, but don't be creepy. So you see a little, you know, two or three people talking, you know, and you, you walk over, and you know, just kind of listen in. And, you know, just don't, don't be a creep. Don't be like, who's that guy? What's he doing hanging out over here? Don't, be, don't leer at people, stare at people. Just there's a social race to coming in on a, on a meeting of other people. First you smile and nod. You know how at the bar, you get a bit bar and you go, <laughs> you know, the smile and the nod. You know, get them. Don't just stand there and stare at them or her, even particularly if it's of the opposite sex. Introduce yourself with something interesting about the event. With something, that's a good icebreaker, by the way. Hey, you know what? I went to another one of these meetings, or this is one of the best meetings I've been to, or wasn't that speaker interesting? You know, that's a great icebreaker. That's a great icebreaker. Just something about the event, not just walking up to someone and says, what business are you in? That's awkward, because some people don't like the business they're in, or they don't have an elevator speech, so it's going to take them five minutes to explain what they do. So some little comment about the event is always a good way. Ask their name first before you give them theirs, and then repeat it. That's a Dale Carnegie. That's an old one. But it's still very effective because it helps you, rem you remember it if you repeat it at least once. And everybody likes to hear the sweetest sound of anything in the English language is someone's own name. So if you say it twice, oh, you said it twice. I like, I like them double when you, tell, when you say people's names. Give your name in a memorable way. Hey, Pavel, Bill Brownchick. Think brown chicken. <laughs> He's never going to forget that. Brown chickens. Right? Or, hey, Bob Cooper. Like those little cars. So Cooper's not a very, you know, unique name. But, you know, if you remember the car thing, people just give an association that people can remember. Make it memorable. Because if you say your name, especially if you have a complicated name, like mine, I, I said, I, I gave him two words to associate it so he's not going to forget the way it's pronounced. Does that make sense? So if it's hard to pronounce, make it easy for them to remember. If it's a, like a very, like a Smith or a Jones, or, and my apologies to any Smith and Jones here, but no one's going to remember that. So give them an idea, give them an association to remember that. Ask lots of open-ended questions. You know, like lawyers do, whereas on cross-examination is, isn't it a fact that you sliced off the hand of my client, didn't you? <laughs> Don't ask pointed questions. Ask open-ended questions. Ask open-ended questions and let people speak. People love to talk. They're not interested in you, unless you're interested in the same thing they're interested in. But they're not interested in you, and that's just the human nature. We're not interested in, in the other person. We just take turns giving ourselves the chance to speak. That's most people. And that's not, I'm not being obnoxious and, 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 and negative about people, but we all know that's the way it is. We take turns getting ready for our chance to speak. The magic question that lights their eyes. Whoop. This one back. The magic question that lights their eyes. There is a magic question, especially in a business scenario, that I can give you, and it's done one of two ways, but it's a real good one that I've found in a network situation. Because when you introduce yourself to someone, you make, and you, you know, take the bravado to do it, and you take the risk of you know, looking like an idiot, that other person is going to do one or two things. Either they're going to be shy about it because they're a shyish person, person, or they're going to think, what's he want? What's he want from me? Because there's a lot of people who think that way. What's he want from me? What insurance is he trying to sell me? What Amway meeting do I have to go to? <laughs> the magic question that always lies their eyes is, Brian, what does your ideal customer look like? If I were to refer you business, and this is obviously, this would be after I got to know what business you're in. If I were to refer you a client, that doesn't mean I'm going to, but he's getting excited because he thinks he heard refer you a client. If I were to refer you a client or a customer, what would that ideal customer look like? Right? Now, I'm doing several things with that. One is I'm implanting the idea that I'm going to refer him business so he's interested in me now because what's in it for me? Aha, now I know what's in it for me. Referral of customers. I'm offering to refer customers to you, and you gladly tell me what is your ideal customer. So now, first of all, I know whether or not I can offer something to him. I can be of use to him, because if I can be of use to him, the natural law of reciprocity says he wants to return the favor. He wants to refer business. Because what do you think he's going to ask me back? What's your ideal customer? Unless he's just a self-centered schmuck, he might say, yeah, that's great. 
Refer me some business sometime, Bill. Most people will ask the question back, right? So therefore, they get to know exactly what my ideal customer is and have the ability to see if we can either be referral partners or maybe a connector. So he might say, I, I, I don't have customers. I work for a bank in the administration department. Hmm, could he be a connector? See, most people would walk away and go, ah, they can't refer me business. Is he a connector? He works for a bank. He probably knows a lot of people. He's been in the banking business probably 25 years if he got to that position. Maybe he knows customers with money or knows other people who work at the bank and he knows who, and he maybe works in human resources and you're thinking, who's going to refer me to? He doesn't know any customers. But he knows who's got a 401k, who's got an IRA, who's got money in a, per, in a company with a thousand people. Is that a connector I want to know? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Use their name a lot. That's an, another Dale Carnegie. By the way, if you've ever read Dale Carnegie's book, or if you haven't read it in the last year, it's one you should read all the time, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's just one of the... I, I have that on CD, and I listen to that probably once every two years, because it's such a great reminder of the classic personality and communication skills that everyone has. It's basic stuff, you know, and I made my kids read it, and they hated me for it, but I'll make them read it again when they get a little older. Talk to people. Don't talk to a crowd. This is a mistake a lot of people do. When you're around three or four people, they start making jokes or talking to the crowd. So you're not up there to entertain. You're there to make connections. Right? So if you're up in a group and you, you know, you're hanging out a little bit and you nod and you introduce yourself and you start talking, start talking to one, maybe two people if they're a spouse couple. Don't try to talk to the group because the group is not... A group, hold, the group is not in your Rolodex. It's individuals that are in your Rolodex. Does that make sense? If you have to answer questions and keep eye contact with other people, that's great. But don't talk to a crowd. Talk to people. And have an exit strategy before they do. <laughs> know when it's time to go. Before you go in. And what's the exit strategy? you to get out of that conversation. So know ahead of time what you're going to say, how you're going to do it, like when, like, all right, honey, 12 minutes from now, you come over and say, hey, the babysitter called and the kids, uh, the, the. so in the middle of the conversation, oh, sorry, got to go, before they do the same thing to you, right? You always want to leave on a good note. Remember the George Costanza bit in Seinfeld? Leave on a good note, so you'd say something funny, everyone would laugh, and you'd stand up and go, that's it, everybody, I'm out of here. <laughs> leave on a good note. All right, so you have a good conversation, you have a good high, you have a connection, don't abuse it and don't talk all night, all right? There's plenty of other fish out there and you want to work the room a little bit and talk to other people. When you give a business card, because that's sort of like the exciting thing people call a pocket full of business cards, you know, and go, I'm going to give out every business card I can. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. And I hand out business cards. You don't want to hand out business cards so much that it's not even useful. Right? There's got to be a purpose to it. Maybe on the exit you give them the business card. Okay? Maybe you talk something that's relevant to your business card, saying, oh, speaking of printers, I just got this great business card. You're going to just love it. Or, you know what? One of the things we have is a great logo. You know, or you get their business card. Ask them first for their business card, and then you give your business card. But most people do is at the end of the night, they go, who is this guy? John? Doug? What? I don't remember them. So make sure you have a good business card, by the way. Don't be cheap. Don't print it out on that Home Depot, Office Max, perforated edges. Don't have a one-sided business card. Make sure it's a two-sided business card. Make sure it's glossy. It's got your picture. It's got your website, not a Gmail address, because that's very amateurish. If you're asking someone to lend you a half a million dollars on a deal and you don't have your own website, you have a Yahoo or a Hotmail address in a professional business? Come on. Spend a little money. Get business cards. Get a website. Get a professional photograph done. If, you're gonna, if you want to impress people, it's in the way you dress, and, in the, and, and unfortunately, it's what you drive, it's what you say, it's what you give in a business card. I know it's unfair, but it, it's reality. People will judge you on all those things, so make sure they're good. And the same thing, when you get a business card, don't just stick it in your pocket. This is what most people do. They hand a business card. Where did I do with my business cards? Yeah, there we go. Business card. So they go, business card. And the guy's explaining and you're staring at his card like this because you can't read it because you don't have your glasses on like that. And they're talking and you go, huh, I'm sorry, what did you say? You just totally tuned them out. So they take their business card. Don't sit there and stare at it. Say, oh, 
if, you, if the business card is not clear what they do, or even if it is clear what they do, take out a pen and write something down. Ask them something that's memorable that you can remember them. Say, you got a favorite pet? What kind of car do you... Do you have a, a car that you always wanted? What, some kind of question that you can remember them by and write it down. If you even don't have time or the occasion to ask a question, just write down the guy with the big mole in the middle of his head. Okay, <laughs> that guy, yeah, I'll remember that. That looks like Gorbachev. Just write it down. Okay. Now, we're going to go on to the top seven networking tips. Make a list of small talk topics. This is a very powerful thing. Before you go to a networking event, kind of make a little cheat sheet. Whenever I go to Vegas and lose my money, I have one of those little cards. I play blackjack. I like blackjack. I have one of those little cards. You ever see those little cards that tell you when you have eights, you split. When you have aces, you split. You know, <laughs> when you have a four and a five and a this and a that, and it tells you exactly what you do, right? The little cheat sheet cards. And you're allowed to use them. They don't bother you, you know, because they're gonna, you're going to lose anyway. Because if you win, you're just going to go feel rich and spend it in their restaurant. I mean, you lose anyway. Make a list, like a cheat sheet, of like the top ten small talk conversations that you can bring up with people when you get lost. You know, when you get lost, the best thing to do is just ask a question, an open-ended question. That'll keep the conversation going. But sometimes there's that awkward pause when everyone goes and takes their drink because they don't know what to say, or it takes a bite because they don't know what to say. Have something. I mean, don't be annoying when you're talking, talking, talking like me right now. You know, just talking, talking, talking. They're going to go, oh, God, when's this guy going to shut up? But have a, you know, if there's an awkward pause or you don't know where to go with the conversation, have some sort of small talk ahead of time, topics, you know, about things that are sort of neutral but interesting. Change topics until you click with the person. So if you start talking about something, about the event, and that's not interesting, and you mention the weather, like everybody does, hey, I'm going to rain you this week. Yeah, that shouldn't be on your small talk list, by the way. That's just so lame. But you keep changing topics until they go, oh, wow. Yeah, sports, that's, that's my thing. Oh, yeah, four-wheeling, that's my thing. That's my thing. And keep changing the topics until you see one that they, they want to talk about. And, and at that point, you just let them ramble. And then they're, they're going to go, what a nice guy. And you didn't say three words. That's what people think. When you don't talk, if you talk over them, again, people take turns waiting for their time to talk. So if you listen about 90% of the time and talk about 10% of the time and let them spew about what they're passionate about, they're going to love you. They're going to think you're the greatest guy or gal in the world. Avoid politics unless you're absolutely sure. <laughs> don't go there. I'm telling you. You've got a 50-50 chance of really pissing someone off. Ask a lot of follow-up questions. So, like the attorney does, you know, and then what happened? And then what happened? You know, that's interesting. Tell me more. Just keep the, keep the conversation going. Appear interested with your body language, especially with women, because women notice these things. Guys won't notice, really, that you're going... Like that. They won't notice those things. But women will notice those things. Women notice the body language. So be careful about looking away, not making eye contact, you know, going like this with your face. And especially when you're talking, be the same thing. When you go like this and scratch your nose or rub on your face, you know, anything touching your face while you're talking, immediately the other person subconsciously thinks you're lying. I don't know why that is, but that body language is there. And you just gotta be, I'm, I'm very conscious about it when I talk to people. I mean, unless I've got a raging itch on my nose, I don't scratch my nose when I'm talking. Especially about something that is truthful. Because people will think you're saying something wrong. And take a hint. When it's time to go, it's time to go. Make sure you have your exit strategy up front. Don't be one of those people who hangs out with one person all night. And sometimes, if you get them into the conversation that they love, they're going to latch on to you all night. Because they think, oh, my wife dragged me here. I got someone to talk about something I like. So make sure you have that exit strategy. Not just for yourself to look good, to leave on a good note, but if someone's just going to dominate the conversation with you all night long so that you don't have a chance to leave and talk to other people. Does that make sense? And, this is kind of a weird one, but be aware of your breath. <laughs>
and everybody has it. Everyone's guilty, but once in a while, forgetting to skip a meal or eating something bad, and someone's going to talk to me, and you're going, God, uh, man. You know, you can't, there's nothing that kills a conversation worse than someone who's got really bad breath from drink, especially drunk. You know, if you've been drinking at the bar, that's why I say don't go, don't eat. Eat before, brush your teeth, use your scope, go to the meeting with good breath, and don't eat anything weird or drink, because the worst thing in the world, especially the opposite sex, is a drunk guy talking to you, and you can smell that drunk breath from five feet away. It's really, you know how it is. Uh, by the way, what is a networking event? Well, anything and everything is a networking event. Everywhere you go, working with a customer, an existing customer, that's an opportunity to network and find other customers that they could refer to you, or maybe they're a connector who can bring other people to you. Uh, on a plane, a business conference, social engagements, on a golf course, a church or synagogue, at a real estate club meeting, come early, bring lots of business cards, and do your networking. After the event, this is, this is where most people stop. This is where most people stop. They come to a meeting, they do a little networking, they get some business cards, and then they just stop. This is where it all makes the difference between networking and power networking. Okay, so after the event, first thing you do is take notes. While it's fresh in your mind, go home, take your business card, write notes on the back of it. As soon as you get home, because what everyone does, they empty their pockets, put it on the dresser, go home, take off their suit or their clothes and go to bed, and then forget about it all. The, while it's fresh in your mind, take your business cards out, write notes on the back of it, put it in a pile where you can enter it into your database the next day and schedule for a follow-up if appropriate. Make the first contact. Remind them where you met. We met at the meeting the other day and remind them a unique thing about your name. Bob Cooper, the guy who has the Coopers, the Cooper car. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remind them what you discussed about them, not about your business, because they're going to forget, because, again, what's in it for me, most people don't remember what your business is about. Remind them about, we talked about your business and your ideal customer. Oh, yeah. People put an emotional attachment and a memory on something they like and they try to block out things they don't care about or don't like, like what you have to say. True. It's true. Send note cards. Handwritten is nice. Handwritten note cards are nice. Send a people uh, a little note, mail it to them, especially if your business card, you have their address and everything, send a nice note card. Uh, emails is okay to a point, but it's a little impersonal. You know, people rely a lot on email and I just, you know... It's good for business communication when you're question and answering and, you know, communicating and getting around things. But for the purpose of building a relationship, email is probably one of the weakest ways you can do it because nobody sends mail. You know, people do, how many people like getting a nice card in the mail? A lot of people like that. It's nice to get a personal card from someone. Make appointments. So make a, you know, schedule a, if you're really connected with someone and you think there's an opportunity to do business together, go ahead and make the next appointment. Go and make an appointment for lunch or for coffee or for a drink or something like that. Send a gift. CDs and books that are appropriate. You know, a lot of people like to send other people like, you know, self-help things and books that help them. Don't send those to other people. I'm telling you, people will get offended by that. Send a book that's in bu it's a business book that's relevant to them, not relevant to you. Or so a lot of people are tempted to say, oh, I'm in real estate, I'm going to send them a real estate book so they understand my business. No, that's, they're going to throw that out. They're not even going to read it. If you send them a book about their business, they're going to say, wow, this is great. They really thought about me. If you send them a book about your business or a CD about your business, they're going to think, well, what do they want? What do they want from me? Right? You want to keep the relationship moving forward. Power networking is an attitude. It is an attitude that you bring every time that you go to a meeting with more than two people. It does take work. So as you uh, might have gleaned from some of the exercises that we talked about, it's stuff that you have to work on, continually work on, to get better at. It's just not going to happen overnight. You're not going to all of a sudden be a perfect power networker after listening to you know, an hour and a half speech. And it's not a one-way street either. You have to bring something to the table. Bring something. First think of the other person. Always think of what you can give what you can bring to it, not what you can get. And it does have a payoff. It is reciprocated. Most people will reciprocate if you make the effort 
to give them something in advance. You send a note card, you send a book, you send a CD, a nice letter, or whatever. You're going to get that person thinking, you know what? You know, they'll feel guilty. That's what most people do. And they'll say, I owe this person something. And not in a bad way, but in a good way. You know, they refer to me business. I want to do something for them. Staying in touch. And by the way, it does not end, by the way. Power networking never ends. It's, oh, it's an ongoing process. Not you created a contact during your Rolodex. Yippee. You have to constantly nurture that relationship. And staying in touch. I told you I get back to this. CARES, which is an acronym. Acronym. C-A-R-E-S. That stands for, the C is complement. So you send that note card, say, hey, it was great talking to you the other day. I love that story you told me about XYZ. Send a compliment, a nice compliment about what the, uh, happened at the meeting or about that person, even if you have to lie a little bit. <laughs> your business card was really great. Or, you know what, I, I really enjoyed meeting you and your wife the other night. Whatever. Just have some compliment. Ask how you can help them. Don't reach out to people after you meet them to say, okay, tell, let me tell you about more of my business so you can refer me business. Ask, say, hey, you know, we talked about your business the other day, blah, blah, blah. How can I help you in your business? And truly mean that. I mean, truly be willing to give of yourself because if you're a giver, you will receive. It, it's, it's the law of the universe. If you go out there and fake it because you want something in return, people will recognize that. And it doesn't work that way. Refer people to them. And make sure when you refer people to them, you tell that person, make sure you tell them I referred them. And sometimes in an email, you could CC, like I recommend Bob so-and-so, and you CC them. So they, so they know, you're, even if that person never calls, they're appreciative of the fact that you were thinking of them. Educate. Always be educating the other people that you network with about what you do. And I don't mean sending them the book about your business so they have to read it, but just a couple of things that they didn't know, maybe, about your business, or maybe they didn't know about business in general, some tips you can give them about your business that works. And surprise them. That's the S. Surprise them. Do the pop-in. And only after if you have a couple of meetings, by the way. Don't, don't do the pop-in after you just met them. Like, this cookie guy I met last night is, pop is in my office in the front desk now? No, not that kind of pop-in. I'm talking about someone you haven't met with in a while. You're in the neighborhood, you know, pop in. People like that. You know, they're, they're busy with their day and they're, you know, in the middle of a project. They like taking a break. Someone pop by to say hi and bring something nice. Bring something to eat. Bring something, you know, uh, a cup of coffee. Bring, you know, bring something that shows you're thinking about them. It's a good thing to do. Surprise people once in a while. Surprise them with a call. Surprise them with a letter. Surprise them with something valuable to their business. And we can't finish this discussion, of course, without talking about the Internet. You know, social wet networking and all that, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff, which is generally one of the worst ways to network. That's the one thing that really sucks about the Internet. It has made the art of business relationships very cold and impersonal. And, and you know, people share their dogs and their things, and I'm, I'm in the shower now, and... Uh, I don't know how they're doing that while they're on Facebook. I mean, how can they tell people when they're doing that when they're in the shower? I don't know how that works. I'm eating now. How could you be eating and typing at the same time? Unless they're eating with one hand and Facebooking with the other hand. I don't know. But it's one of the worst ways to network. The idea with using electronic media is to get an intro so you can get a, on a phone call so that you can get a phone call to get a personal meeting. That's the idea. The only reason you should use those things, like email and, and Facebooking and all that, is just to get to that first introduction and then don't follow up with that constant Facebooking and emailing. Don't overuse the email thing. You know, a lot of people don't substitute email for a call. When a call is, is much more... Now, some people, they're busy, they don't want a call. They just want an email. That's fine, too. Some people are like that. Uh, Facebook friends are not really... Um, Given all of those social media sites, probably LinkedIn is the most business-like of all of them, more relationship-driven because it's all based on, they have their resume, their professional resume on there. But still, I just think generally social networking is a poor excuse and a, and a poor substitute for real networking and coming to meetings and talking to people and talking on the phone and having lunch and all that. But on the other hand, if you have a blog that you have a lot of people subscribe to, um, it's nice 
to say something nice about one of those people on that list that might be in your business connection. Say, hey, I had lunch with Bob so-and-so today, and he told me about this great business tool that I want to tell you all about, blah, 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 blah. And you send an email to them and say, hey, I mentioned you on my blog, and they'll be thrilled. They'll be thrilled that you did that. If you ever need anything about, from, about this business, call Joe so-and-so, and here's his website and his email. You know, so something like that can be very personal. But on the other hand, you know, if you don't use it right, it's very impersonal. Remember, the bottom line with business networking is you are the source. So you ever see those little diagrams where it says you, your friends, your business, and they know someone? Who's in the middle of all that? You are. You're in the middle of all that. So everything comes down to you. Schmoozing is a skill you can learn. So if you don't think you're a good schmoozer, you are. You're better than you think you are, right? It's just maybe that you're not comfortable enough in the environment or with the topic to be a good schmoozer, but you can learn. It's a skill that everyone can practice and learn at. Building social skills is something that you can learn. It's something you can practice at. It's like dancing, you know? Some people are natural dancers. You're not looking at one. <laughs> but I know that even though I'm not a good natural dancer, that if I took about 100 lessons a month, I'd become a good dancer, right? Probably, if I practiced enough at it. But not real important to my life right now. But this might be important to your life. If it is, then learn. Become a better communicator and learn how to project and captivate people. It's a skill, like storytelling. You know, that's always a good thing when you're around groups of people in business, is telling stories that relate to your business, but they're interesting of themselves. So, you know, funniest thing, I had this rental house, and the other day this tenant came in, and he had these two dogs that were like nine feet tall. They were Great Danes, and he tried to say that they were service dogs. Isn't that the funniest thing you ever heard? And what are you doing at the same time? You're telling them about your business without boring them about your business. You could tell stories that relate to your business without, that make it interesting to the average person who may not be in that business. Does that make sense? And be able to turn on your A game. When you come to a business networking meeting, maybe it's, you're tired, maybe it's Wednesday night, maybe you drove in the rain, maybe you, a lot of things. But even if you have to fake it, put on your A game when you go out to business networking because people are going to remember you f how you were that night. So you've got to be on your A game whenever you go out in business network. And you have to be able to turn it on whenever it's appropriate and be able, if you can go home and be, you know, boring or whatever you want when you go home. But when you're out, you've got to be captivating, you have to be exciting, you have to be interesting, you have to be a, you know, a good communicator and be able to project and entertain other people. Okay. I want to thank you for being here tonight and being a great audience. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Information and free articles and videos. Visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.